0: All right, good evening. We are still in Chapter 4, Perig Yesterday we were discussing um, some errors in thinking that people make about wealth. Uh, specifically, people who, uh, who think that wealth will bring them validation. They want the image, they want the, uh, I don't know, the reputation of being a wealthy person. They think that's going to make them feel good about themselves. Uh, we spoke about that. Okay, And we also spoke about the fact that because they're chasing that, that uh, self-esteem, that they end up doing foolish things to make a living that really doesn't help them at all, and they would have made the same living whether or not they did those things either way. okay. So we're going to continue now. We're still talking about uh, the issue of making a living trying to straighten, our, straighten out our thinking regarding Parnosa. Let's look inside the text. V'yeish shi'amotzi b'chlal mevaqshia momen One finds among those who seek wealth Mi shi'agia mimenu el-tachlis tayvosei bederich ha esher That one person attains all that he desires of it through the means that we have mentioned. What does it mean, the means that we have mentioned? The Marpa nefesh says the, this means the various forms of work and labor that we discussed in chapter 3. Or to use our Hasidic terminology, the kalim, the vessels, that one uses uh, to receive Hashem's blessings for parnasah. Okay, So that's the right way of going about it. So there are people who get the wealth they need in the appropriate way, just by making a vessel, in the way that we explained uh, already at length. And there are others, Some people receive their wealth through inheritance and the like. And it's interesting, the and he thinks, or each one of them thinks, that the cause is what mandated it. Meaning, without the particular way in which they made wealth, they, they wouldn't have received the wealth. And therefore, they praised the means through which they received the wealth and not the cause, cause with a capital C, Hashem, who brought it about. In other words, they get very fixated on the way in which they received the wealth, and they think that that's what what it was. So one guy worked for it, another guy inherited it, and each one thinks, I only could have gotten it in that way. Couldn't have gotten it any other way. Why? Because that's the way that he got it. But that's not true. If he wouldn't have gotten it through that way, he would have gotten it through another way. It's like, I used the Marshall earlier, actually. I got nice feedback from someone who says it was a helpful Marshall. I talked about the, the Kayla's like the, the U, UPS guy. So the UPS guy brings you a, a gift from your mother. Your mother sent you the gift. It's not the UPS guy, right? So if it wouldn't be this guy, if it wouldn't be this this driver's shift, it would be another driver's shift on the day that it was delivered. Okay, if it wouldn't come from this Klee, it would come through, a, through another Klee. But it's not about, like he says, one guy worked for it. One guy inherited it. Okay, so... That's just the way it happened to work out. But it was Hashem who made it, that this guy should get it through regular work, and this guy should get it through an inheritance. By the way, you know the one about the two greenhorns. They arrived at Ellis Island around the same time as each other, on the boat, and uh, they didn't see each other for years. And then one day, they're walking down Delancey Street, and, uh, on the Lower East Side, and they run into each other, and uh, one looks like he's struggling, and the other one looks like he's, he's really made it. So the struggling one asks the one who looks like he made it, says, Yankel, we both got off the same boat in Ellis Island. And it looks like you made it in this Medina. And I, I'm still struggling. What's the difference between me and you? So Yankel says, I'll tell you, Chaim. The truth is, it was a combination of good old-fashioned hard work and a bit of mazel. Yeah, hard work and a bit of mazel, that's right. Hard work and a bit of mazel. I'll explain. I was down to my last nickel. So I took that nickel and I bought an apple. And I spent the entire day polishing that apple. And then at the end of the day, I sold that shiny apple for 10 cents. Next morning, I took those 10 cents and I bought two apples. And I spent the whole day polishing those two apples. And at the end of the day, I took those shiny two apples and I sold them for 20 cents. And next day, you know what I did? You bought four apples? That's right, I went out and I bought four apples. And I spent the whole day polishing those four apples. And at the end of the day, I sold those shiny four apples for 40 cents. And every single day for a month, that's what I do. I continue this system. I buy more apples. So I polish those apples. And then I would sell those apples. And I finally, finally, I accumulated a profit of over $10. That was the hard work. And then... My wife's American uncle died and left us $10,000. That was the bit of Mazel. Okay, anyways. (sighs) Let's continue here. Okay. So Rebidah B'chayis says that this person who assumes that it was the Kli, it was the particular way in which he received his livelihood, to which he owes Thanks to which he owes gratitude. He's making a big mistake. He's be- making a big mistake. So he explains here. Let's let's uh, continue. What is he like? He's going to give us a marshal, a parable. What is this guy like? He's like a guy in the desert. Who's suffering from thirst? He finds water that's not sweet. He finds, not nice water, brackish water that had gathered in a pit. He's so happy about this and he slakes his thirst with the brackish water, the not nice water. And then he goes on a little further in this Desert, where he is. He finds a wellspring bubbling forth with fresh water, sweet water. He regrets the fact that he had drunk of the brackish water and slaked his thirst with it. You know about the guy in the desert, by the way? This guy was walking in the desert, similar to this marshal here. He's walking in the desert. He was so thirsty, so thirsty. He was looking for water, and he's walking, he's walking, he's walking. He saw an oasis. He saw a guy there, a person in the middle of the desert. And he comes over and says, Please, please, give me water. I'll pay anything. He says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have water here. This isn't uh, an oasis. This is a, a tie store. I sell ties." What a thunk, right in the middle of the desert, a haberdasher selling ties. He says, "I don't need ties. I need water. I'm sorry, I just have ties." Ah So he goes, continues walking and walking, and he's walking through the desert, and he's walking, and he's walking. He's so thirsty. And then he sees another. Looks like an oasis. Another guy. He runs over to him. Oh, an oasis. I'll pay you anything for for water. He says, I'm sorry. I don't have water here. I don't sell water. I I sell ties. Like that other guy. you know. uh, Yeah, he He also sells ties. I don't don't need a tie. I'm in the middle of a desert. I need water. I don't don't, don't, don't want a tie. He says, I'm sorry. That's all I have. I just sell ties. Okay, fine. Forget it. And he keeps walking. walking he's so thirsty and he's looking for water he's so thirsty he's in the desert and he walks he sees another looks like an oasis he sees a guy up ahead he runs to him he says an oasis you have water he says yes really please sell me water sell me water at any price he says i'm sorry sir but to be served here you have to be wearing a tie You know, once upon a time, people actually had to wear ties to go to a fancy restaurant. Uh, You know about the guy who tried to get over, this is totally unrelated, but, the guy tried to go to a fancy restaurant, he walked in, and uh, the maitre d' says to him, I'm sorry, to get into this restaurant, you have to be wearing a tie. So he ran out to his car, he's looking for a tie. I can't find anything. He opened up his trunk, he saw a pair of jumper cables. So he like, you know, what the heck? He took the jumper cable and he tied it around his neck like a bolo tie, you know, like those Western ties that you know like cowboys wear? And he got a pair of jumper cables around his neck, jumper cables, you know? So he's wearing these jumper cables around his neck. And he says, can I come in now? And he looks at him and he says, eh, okay, fine, but don't start anything. Okay. Anyway. These are good. These are good jokes. All right. So, uh... <laughs> okay. Oh, I got a note here, by the way, about the shiny apples. If he doubled his money every day, starting with five cents, would he not have $100,000 after 30 days? Yes. When I tell the joke next time that way, I will remember to tell, tell it correctly. Yeah, it's amazing when you double. It's like the story about the chessboard. Everyone knows that one, right? About the chessboard. The guy invented chess, supposedly, and then the, the king wanted to reward him. He says, what's your reward? He said, I want one kernel of wheat on the first, you know, like on the chessboard, the first square. And then the second square, I want two kernels of wheat. And then the third square of the chessboard, I want four kernels of wheat. And each square of the chessboard just double the amount of kernels of wheat. It's like, OK, the guy wants a sack of wheat for inventing a game, no problem. And then uh, he did it, and he realized that mathematically, if you keep doubling it each each time, it ends up like being all the grain silos in the entire kingdom. And he became like the wealthiest guy in the country. And you can go figure that out mathematically. I don't I don't even know how many boxes are on a chessboard. I don't know. I'm I'm more of a stratego guy, by the way. So a nitel we're having, by the way, a stratego tournament. I am. I'm having a stratego tournament. I like Stratego, I like some the bombs and the flag, and uh, you know the eights can disarm the bomb, and the spy is interesting that he can kill the one, but everyone else kills him, but if he attacks, he can even kill the one. Anyway, okay, so you'll figure out how much uh, wheat the guy who invented chess got in the made-up story about the guy who made up chess. Okay, um, but yes, in a, in a, with the shiny apples, he had a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the month. That is correct. Okay, fine. What else? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is we were in the middle of a marshal. that uh, the guy who credits the means of making a living is like a guy wandering in the desert, and he gets to the the water, and he the first. Uh, pit of water is not nice water, and he drinks that. And then he keeps walking, and he's like, oh! Then he finds like the nice water, he's like, ah, I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have waited. You know? It's like, uh, you know, you eat, you, eat, you eat a bunch of crackers and hummus, and then you find out that uh, they ordered pizza. Ah, oh, I wish I, if I knew they were ordering pizza, I wouldn't have eaten cra- crackers and hummus. Okay. So it is with a wealthy man who acquired his wealth through a certain means and uh, what does that mean? The of Onin says either through working really hard meaning harder than he has to because he was mistaken about that and the Pasalachim says unethical means that he broke rules he shouldn't have broken but he thought he had to either way the, the point is, that at this part of the metaphor, it's clearly talking about a mistaken, um, a mistaken course of action. So, um, the Teva Levonin says the mistake he made is he worked too hard. And uh, the Paslacham says the mistake he made is he did immoral stuff to make his money. But either way, the point is, somebody who makes a mistake chasing the money when he didn't have to, if those means had not been made available to him, he would have acquired the same thing through other means. Like we already explained. Like we already explained. Okay. And again, the table of onion says without the difficulty. And the Paslacham says in, a, in an ethical manner. Both of them say consistently with what they said. Um, But he thinks, no, 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 because I had to work that hard to make the money. What's the proof? I worked that hard to make the money. Or I had to break rules in order to make the money. What's the proof? I broke rules in order to make the money. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's not a proof. That's not a proof. He would have made it the same way. By the way, somebody sent me a a text. And... um, I would give out my number for texts, but I don't see 90% of my texts anyway. The best thing is the email, the email address that I've been giving out, rabbi at soulwords.org. I, I, I generally get all those uh, emails. And Will Bli Nether respond, and if you ask a question about Shadar Betochen Bli Nether, I'll try to respond in the class. Uh, but somebody sent me a text this morning, actually. And he said, what about shtick? You know what that is? You know what shtick is? Shtick means stuff that's not um, not clearly unethical, but it's like, yeah, you know, you're, you're being creative. Is that stuff that you should do? Maybe that's a clue for parnosah that, that Hashem is presenting you with. And I can't tell you what's over the line and what's not over the line, but, you know, the story last night, was it last night or was it two nights ago, about the Jew who saw the the pile of gold and he says, you know what, Hashem, if you want to give it to me, give it to me a straight way without any questions. So I think it's clear that um, making a living shouldn't really be agonizing. And if you're agonizing over the morality of what you're doing, that itself is just way too much mental effort. The whole point of it is yagia kapacha. Yagia kapacha, you're supposed to make a living with your hands. Not yagia of the, the mayah or of the lave. You're not supposed to be toiling with your, with, your, with your head and your heart. And if you're sitting there agonizing over whether it's moral or it's not moral, you know what? I, I'm not a rav, I can't paskin. I can't tell you whether this, this shtick is, is, is okay or it's not okay. But if it's keeping you up for even a minute at night... How is that any better than staying up at night worrying about you know, having to work harder? Neither of them are kosher. You're not supposed to stay up at night worrying how you're going to work harder. And you're not supposed to stay up at night worrying whether what you're doing is ethical or not. So that's really the answer. To me, the answer is if it's taking up too much headspace, and too much headspace means any <laughs> any headspace outside of the time when you're working, then it's just... It's, uh, no, it's it's not okay. Uh, and you don't need to do it. You're torturing yourself because your parnosa, the same parnosa, whatever was meant to get to you, is going to get to you. All this extra exertion, does it increase the bottom line? Chavis Lavava says clearly it doesn't. It doesn't. And he says, oh, but my proof is that I made all this money from this. But that's not how you made it. It would have come to you anyway. Now, how do you prove either assertion? I don't know how to prove either of them. Because the guy was going to say, the proof that I needed to do it this way is that I did it this way, which is circular logic. And then the counter-argument is, no, you could have done it another way. How do you prove that, though? You can't prove yet either of these. So it's not about logic. Neither, my point is, neither position is logical. Okay, They're both faith. One is just faith in the pseudo-logic of, well, it had to be this way because it was this way. You know, I had to do it this way because this is how I did it. Right? And the other is the faith of believing in Hashem, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So either way, it's, it's faith, it's not logic. Ukemei okay. and like it says, ki ein Nothing can prevent Hashem from saving, whether by many or by few. Hashem is going to get to you whatever He wants to get to you. And you don't have to be fixated and the idea that there has to be a certain cleat. Now the uh, the Marpa Nefesh explains a little bit more about this about this muscle, this extended metaphor. He says that basically this thirsty man in our in our parable that he had no faith that he'd find fresh water. So what happened is when he found the not nice water, he felt like he had no choice and he had to drink it because he doesn't know if he's going to do any better than that, right? So you're like, you got to lock in at the, the mortgage rates. But hold on, what if the rates go even lower? Oh, they might not go lower. So you got to lock in. So you got to drink the, all right, anyways. Um, but if he would have been guaranteed fresh water, if he knew, okay, skip the brackish water because if he just waited out and you go a little bit further down in the desert, there's going to be fresh water. Okay, then he would have obviously he would have waited. So here's the deal. Somebody who believes that his sustenance comes from Hashem, he knows Hashem is going to find an appropriate way for him to earn it. Therefore, he knows. That he's not going to have to do any shtick, he's not going to have to do anything unethical, and he's not going to have to overwork himself, he's not going to have to be, you know, emotionally attached and become a workaholic. So he has to know that there's going to be fresh water, and if he has the chance to make money, but it's not fresh water, it's brackish water, so to speak, he has to have enough faith to say no let's keep going until we hit the you know the good water just like a person who knew like imagine you were you, you look on your ways and you saw you look at this gas station oh, i don't like this gas station oh but there's another one coming up in one mile so let's wait a mile and we'll go we'll go to the nice one okay the same thing, he hits an opportunity, this is how the Marpa Lenefish explains the whole marshal, he hits an opportunity to, to make some money, it would work, but th- there's something to it that either is going to become too emotionally invested, or he's going to have to compromise his values, he has to say to himself, just just wait, and fresh water will be available, and I'm not going to lose anything by, by waiting it out. That's really, that's, that's, uh, that's the marshal. Okay. We, we have a private chat. It says, this all sounds very well and good, but how do we live by these teachings of the Chayvis HaLavavis? Reality just doesn't seem to work this way. Okay, so I would ask you, what does it mean reality doesn't seem to work this way? Like What, what evidence do you have that it doesn't work this way? Um, because, like I was saying before, because you saw that people did work very, very hard, and become obsessed with their work and they ended up making money? Yeah, okay. But the assertion is he would have made the same money either way. And we know people who fall backwards into wealth and they didn't work. So we say reality doesn't work this way. Why do we think reality doesn't work this way? This is based on a lot of assumptions that we're making about how people actually get their wealth. In other words, what do they say in science? Correlation does not imply causation. Is that the is that the <laughs> Somebody sent <laughs> somebody sent me here. Yeah, sage advice. Right? That's very uh, inspiring, right? If you don't steal you won't have. And the fact that such words are formulated in Yiddish is uh, painful to say the least. Okay? So if at least it word in English you could say, you know, it was from a foreign source. But the fact that it's in uh, Jewish language. Look, there are a lot of nisyonis. And they all have one thing in common, fear. Every test is about fear. Some people fear not having enough money. Some people fear being lonely and having nobody. Some people fear being unloved. Some people fear um, violence, pain. Everyone has different fears. The nefesh abamis, the animal soul, is the survival instinct. And its job is to listen to your fears and tell you to get away from things that are scary. The problem is that... Um, Sometimes it works as a survival instinct, sometimes it doesn't. And what I mean by that is, if you're walking through the woods and you see a bear and you get an adrenaline rush, oh my gosh, there's a bear. And so you get the fight or flight response, probably don't fight the bear, probably not a good idea. Although they do have a mnemonic about the different kinds of bears. You want to know it in case you ever encounter a bear in the woods? They say, black attack, brown lie down, white good night. Ever heard that? Black bears are little bears, generally speaking. So if you really have to, you can fight one. Brown bears, you better lay down because if you lay down, then you make yourself less threatening because there's no way you can fight them. And uh, white good night, white is a polar bear, and there's nothing you can do with a polar bear. Although they say, if you run from a polar bear, uh, if you throw something behind you, he'll get distracted with it. And uh, while he's looking at it, because they're very curious, while he's looking at it, you may be able to get the safety. Do you know that in the town of Churchill, Canada, it is illegal to lock your car doors? Because they have no theft, there's no crime there. But the reason that it's illegal to lock your car doors is because they, have, uh, they don't have car theft, but they have polar bears wandering the streets. So a person may need to run into a car for shelter from a polar bear, and so therefore, Car doors have to be unlocked so that any car you see, you're able to run in, close the door, and uh, be sheltered from the polar bear. At any rate, what was I saying? You're in the woods you see a bear, and you have a fight or flight response. That's your survival mechanism working for you, okay? Because that's something that's actually happening in your immediate environment, and you know, your, your brain reads this stimulus. Oh, I see a, a bear. And it makes an interpretation very, very quickly, run, get out of here. You don't even have to think. It's like the nervous system. It's the, uh, you know, it's a gut reaction, automatic, right? Okay. And that's all great. And that's when fear works for us, right? Or, uh, you know, you, you, you step onto the curb and you see a car swerving toward you and you, you panic and you jump out of the way. That's, that's, again, that's when the fear serves us well, Okay. But then there's fear that's not a response to anything that's going on in front of me. It's fear that's generated by thought. I'm lying in bed awake at night thinking about financial pressure, thinking about being lonely, thinking about being unloved, thinking about violence that could happen to me. I'm just trying to remember the different examples I gave before. Okay. Now, none of those things are happening right now in front of me. But in my mind they're happening. I'm playing that movie in my mind. And you want to know something funny about the survival mechanism, the fear, the fear response? It doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know the difference between something that's actually happening in front of you and you have to jump out of the way and something that's just a movie you're playing in your own head. So it's telling you, run, run, run. Run where? Where are you going to go? Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> the thing you're afraid of is something that you are telling yourself. So there's nowhere to go. So here's the thing financial insecurity, or any other insecurities we have. Nobody likes me, Uh, nobody wants to be my friend, Uh, everybody laughs at me, all the insecurities we have. Or, you know, uh, some some terrible, violent thing's going to happen to me, all the things you could worry about, all the things you could stay awake worrying about. Those are meditations. Toxic meditations. And there's no relief from them because they're not a response to something that's actually happening. If it were something that's actually happening, if a guy jumps out of the alley swinging a baseball bat, eventually I run away from him and when I finally get home and I lock the door behind me and I call the police and say, a guy jumped out of the alley with a baseball bat, and then I can calm down and uh, you know, now I'm safe. But if the fear is that I'm s- sitting awake at night telling myself, you're going to die penniless and, 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 and lonely and a failure, where, where am I safe? Where am I safe? Nowhere. I'm not safe anywhere. So this is what I want to tell you: that oh, and somebody wrote here about Shidduchim. <sighs> very, very, very good. Shadduchim is the same thing. It's the same thing. And that, by the way, can touch a nerve in a way that's even worse than our insecurities about, about money. Yeah. And you can stay awake at night meditating yourself into terrible fear. The approach is do the natural thing Okay? So in parnosah that means have a job. In healing that means go to a doctor. In shidduchim that means call a shadchan. And if the shadchanim aren't working for you, call a friend. Make one call a day about shidduchim. Okay? But don't become overly emotionally invested in it because it's just the vessel through which Hashem is going to deliver His blessings. And certainly don't become fearful so that You're going to think to yourself, God forbid, that you have to work harder than you really need to work or make compromises in your values that certainly you don't have to be making. But like I said earlier, it all comes from fear. The antidote to fear is faith. Faith is the antidote to fear. You know what fear is? False evidence appearing real. Question here: What about ruchniyas fear? What do you mean by ruchniyas fear? Fear that I'm not a, I'm not enough of a mensch. I'm not serving Hashem as well as I can. That's that's a valid fear. You know why? Because that's something you can actually do something about. Hakol bideh shemayim chutz Is that what you meant? Fear about kids, worrying about your children. Yeah, I, <laughs> you see, I'm a man, or I would have mentioned it. Yeah, you can stay awake at night worrying about money. You can stay awake at night worrying about shidduchim. Stay awake at night worrying about your children. There's all these things we can stay awake worrying about. It's not real. It's not real. Respond to the situation. Take care of the situation. Make a kli Do the normal, responsible thing. And then, and lie down and go to sleep. And have said a